0: Hey, welcome to Ross Never Sleeps. I'm your host, Alex Ross. Thank you for checking us out. You probably found us on NeverSleepsNetwork.com with lots of other great Toronto-based podcasts. This is my first interview with a fashion designer, which is why it may be your first time checking us out. I interviewed local designer Joseph Tassoni, who came in with his team and family for one of my most favorite interviews of RNS to date, But first, what else is happening on NeverSleepsNetwork.com? Tomorrow and every Tuesday, we have an all-new Vesta Friends sketch comedy podcast. This week features Jackie Toomey and Devin Richardson of Tucson. Wednesday, be sure to check out the Potato Files with Jeff Paul, his latest guest, Dave Merhaj. Thursday, an all-new Talkin' Wrestling with boxing journalist Lou Eisen, leading up to the Mayweather and McGregor fight this weekend. And Fridays, be sure to... Listen to the latest Speech Bubble comic book podcast because it features a local legend here in Toronto Comics, Chester Brown. Some real groundbreaking stuff there on Speech Bubble. I want to thank my guest, Joseph to for coming in and having a heartfelt and thoughtful conversation here on RNS. This was both Joseph's first long form interview and my first interview with a fashion designer and a talented one at that. He's definitely the one to be looking out for in 2017 and 2018. Check the bio on this episode page at NeversleepsNetwork.com for all of Joseph's upcoming promotional dates and show dates. And please enjoy this episode episode of Ross never sleeps with my guest fashion designer Joseph Tassoni You doing i'm doing well how are okay, you okay i'm very very good you have a voice for radio joseph thank, you. thank you you're very kind <laughs> <laughs> My guest today is Toronto's, but Montreal-born and Oakville-raised, a Ryerson University graduate, our first fashion designer, formerly of the SWAM and the Linda Lundstrom La Parca Fashion Line. I want to welcome my guest, my first fashion designer, Joseph Tassoni. Thank you so much for having me. Joseph, I, I say you're from Toronto because I feel like whether you're from Oakville or you're a fashion designer from mm-hmm. the
1: East Coast, you know, you're going to end up in Toronto. What does Toronto mean to you? You as a fashion designer. Well, I think I think Toronto speaks to many different forms of style, and because we're such a diverse city, I mean, when you kind of walk down the street here, you can see fashions that are, you know, Caribbean-inspired, street style, high fashion, kind of a mix of everything. So, I mean, I think Toronto really represents a lot about Canada, um, and I think pretty much the way. That people are here in Toronto, anyone's accepted. So
0: You're from Montreal. Yeah. And, and you know, from the Toronto perspective looking out east, you're yeah. always like, Montreal fashion's always so much better. <laughs> <laughs> is that true? Well, is well, you know? I think
1: the, the answer to that, I think it's it's in your own view. I mean, every city has its own charm. Every city has its own voice. I mean, like when I've went out, um I and I've traveled kind of across Canada. I love Edmonton I'll be
0: honest.
1: <laughs> and I think they have, you know, very unique style. I think, I think that kind of, you know, statement, you know, Montreal has, you know, better fashion or Toronto. I think each city has its own strengths um, and its own beauty. And uh, I just think, you know, when people say those kinds of things, I, I, I enjoy them. I'm like, OK. And then why do you think that? Why? Why would you compare? Because if you kind of look at, let's just say Toronto, we have more people, OK, population wise. And I think here, there's a lot more access to higher end fashion boutiques and just kind of overall availability of product as Montreal is slightly a smaller city, um, but both are beautiful. I mean, the other thing that I love about Montreal too, is, you know, they really, really have some wonderful, amazing designers out there and the media and the local community really do promote them. Like one of my favorites is, his name is Denis Gagnon. He's been around, I would kind of say forever, and I think he's a pioneer um, in Canadian fashion and a lot of people don't even realize you know especially when you kind of leave the other areas how much talent that we have here so
0: competition
1: I well you know I I I don't necessarily kind of look at anybody's competition I think being Canadian and being in line with other Canadian designers we all support and promote each other and I mean we all have our strengths and we all have our weaknesses and I think The more that we stick together, the stronger we are as kind of a nation representing Canada and Canadian fashion. Have you ever done a show out in Montreal? Uh, No, I haven't done a show out in Montreal yet. Maybe there's one happening soon. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) But um, no, but Montreal, I mean, like their productions are, are quite amazing. And just as Toronto's are as well. Does Toronto have a fashion identity? I definitely would say yes for sure absolutely I I think it kind of it it differs from community to community and Toronto's fashion identity, in in my opinion, the way that I see it is that you can't really lock it down. I think everyone has their own vibe. Everyone has their own style. And we have so many different neighborhoods in different pockets. I mean, you know, looking at fashion here, it's so inspiring. I mean, there's something new going on all the time. And there's always a new neighborhood. There's always someplace that's new. What are some of your favorite boutique shops or shops, whether or not they're featuring Joseph Tassoni or not? Uh, well, I would kind of say just generally in terms about boutiques. What I love are those old school mom and pop shops when you walk inside and that salesperson just knows the construction of the garment they know fabric and they just look you up and down they're like i got it for you and then they just take you to the right pieces um those are kind of i would say my go-to shops because nobody wastes any time you know time is money, money's time. <laughs> and, you know, at the end of the day, like you're able to leave with a, a, an incredible memory, I would kind of say, especially when you're kind of almost schools um, in what you thought that you did understand in terms of fashion. Oh, but you didn't really know. <laughs> Any stores that come to mind specifically? Well, I, I would kind of say one of my favorites actually is is actually in Oakville. Um, it's called Burroughs. It's a higher end menswear store. I'll ever forget the first time I walked in there years ago with the original owner just looked at me, had a measuring tape around his neck and he carried, you know, everything in in all different price points. So I kind of really wasn't locked in saying, oh my God, I have to spend over, you know, at least a couple thousand dollars or anything like that at every price point. But he just kind of looked at me and he's like, he's like, what are you looking for? I'm like, well, I'm not sure. And he goes, "Okay, well, why don't I just show you a couple of things? Every single thing he pulled out fit me to a T. Does fashion and
0: your bank account go hand in hand? Do you have to have a,
1: a certain, you know, cost affiliated with style? No, absolutely not. I think style is absolutely defined by your personality and your taste. I mean, you can recycle clothes that belong to family members. You can go to vintage shops, you can reinvent pieces that you've already bought, re-dye, do anything that you want. I don't I think for sure if you have access, you know, to more funds, you can have access to more expensive pieces, but I don't think that the more expensive the piece, the more stylish you are in any way. Um, I think it really is about you and and what you like and and how you mix it up together
0: but you know personally how much work individually yeah. and, and with your team mm-hmm. how much really goes in not even just the thought and design but the production and the actual physical labor yeah. that you yourself will do yes and when you're figuring out a price point nothing's cheap anymore no. fabrics aren't cheap you know rental space production space yeah. nothing's cheap anymore so you know how, how do you explain to the average consumer or maybe not the average consumer, you know, why, why you decide on a price or why,
1: or why do some fashion seem more expensive than others? Well, anything typically that's made, I would say within North America, especially within smaller brands, your price is going to be higher because you're not able to compete with the minimums that other larger companies are able to do overseas. So let's just say, you know, as an example, um, you know, Back in the day, uh, when I early in my career, I was the junior menswear designer at Joe Fresh, and I mean, you do you know five thousand units, let's just say, in a T-shirt in you know maybe one colorway, uh, and then from there you're able to negotiate a price. But I've, everything that I do within the, my line, Joseph to Sony, is made either, you know, it's made local. So, uh, between, let's, Toronto all the way to Niagara Falls. So that drives up the cost because we're encouraging the Canadian economy. We're encouraging growth. Um, and we're encouraging, I would say, a skill within operating the machines to ordering and creating fabrics that is slowly being lost. Because so many people are trying to get the prices lower. And by doing that, you take it overseas. And that's fine, you know, and that's its own business model. But I'm a big believer in Canadian-made product. And literally everything on my parkas that I've done, is Canadian, except the zippers and the snaps, just because they don't exist in Canada. You were recently in Italy. Yes.
0: So your tan would tell me. <laughs> yes. What does Italy mean to to you as a fashion designer in Canada?
1: I, I think Italy, Italy reminds me of just, I find, is one of the most inspiring um, countries that I've visited in, in, in a while. And I think... When you're immersed in a culture that's completely different to yours, um, from the colors to the way that people style and to the way that people dress, I mean, it absolutely does influence you in terms of how you design and how you look at fashion. And I mean, that just goes for any space, any 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 place that you can visit. What are the new fashions in Italy currently? I'll be honest with you. I mean, with the access to social media right now, I would say nothing new. Wow. because, Well, because we have access to it. We can see everything. We have instant... Access, like access to what is going on around the world all the time. If you're following the latest stylists, if you're following the latest bloggers, it's like, boom, instant. They're in Amalfi. They're in Brazil. They're in Russia. So you're seeing literally the latest fashions being reinvented and restyled all the time. So when you go to Italy, let's just say like when I was in, in Naples or Amalfi, it's like, oh yeah, that's, you know, it's beautiful. But yes, we do do have access to it. I mean, at least visually. But what I do find the most, ins- like one of the most inspiring things is I love to eat. So the food- food was quite incredible that's my next question (laughs) because Italy is
0: not just a fashionable designer (laughs) country it's everything's fashionable
1: there yes absolutely fashionably late um, in (laughs) every way every way possible Um, I actually when I was uh, in Italy my family member had taken us to a very very famous uh, pizzeria in the heart of Naples and um, by the time we got in to actually eat dinner it was quarter to one in the morning and there was a line about the Door. That's amazing. Yeah, no, it was amazing.
0: It's a lifestyle that we're not accustomed to. No. I mean, fashionably late is, is part of the deal because there's so many fun things to either be doing or relaxing, you know, up to the moment. They know yeah. how to really enjoy the yeah. hours between things. Uh, so were you enjoying nice wines? Were you, were, were you looking at the cool. foods and, and, you know, thinking like as a designer in general, whether it's fashion or not, you yeah. see kind of a, an, an Italian, a European yeah. approach to things that just is kind of,
1: you know, foreign literally. Yeah foreign here absolutely well the the one the one thing that inspired me the most like when i was there was seeing all the lemons seeing lemons grow on the side of the road and then cactuses kind of coming out of rocks in the area that i was in was one of the most inspiring things i've seen and then it made sense after seeing, let's just say Dolce Cabana's latest collection, d g Capri, why there's lemons, why there's fruits, why there's all of that all over everything, the colors and the richness of the surroundings in those areas completely filter through into the close. What's Toronto's version of the
0: lemons and the fruits?
1: I would, you know what, I would say, can you, okay, this is the way that I kind of look at it and the way that I, d- we typically have winter, which almost feels like it lasts forever being prepared for the colder months that we have. So looking at outerwear specifically and, and how I would kind of connect Toronto to it is we're a busy city. We're an incredibly growing and, and huge city. And what I've noticed is that, you know, everybody has their Canada Goose jacket um, and everybody has, and, and that's amazing. Canada Goose, incredible quality, incredible everything. Um, but people, I think, are looking more for unique pieces that kind of connect with them and their style so it's not always necessarily about showing off that logo it's not always necessarily showing off um oh i just got the latest in this and the latest in that i would kind of say that people are looking for outerwear pieces that work with their understyle. so it's kind of being really clean and sleek on the outside and then boom it's almost kind of their own style and their own voice underneath
0: What's in a logo? You know, when I look at your clothing from mm. previous you know fashions that you've designed, uh, including your own Parka, yeah, you know, yeah, we all see the Canada Goose yeah. logo. We all know we can see it from a mile away, even if it's a knockoff, you can see.. <laughs> But in the end of the day, yeah. especially today, yeah. we're so inclined to pinpointing a design style yeah. to a person. Yes, absolutely. And when I saw, when I did my research, because again, you're my first fashion designer, yes. <laughs> I had to do a lot of research. I had yeah. to look into what is, what is, how do you take
1: your vision and bring it to the... Bring it to market. To market. A, yeah, bring it to market. Well, the thing is that within my... Core collection, essentially, and it's what kind of everybody has gravitated towards. I was actually inspired by tulips earlier this year in January looking at tulips, and I didn't know that I love them so much, but I do. <laughs> every single seam is inspired by a tulip. So essentially the way that I kind of designed the parkas for women is that it will always give the illusion of a more feminine silhouette. So typically when you look at, let's just say your standard parka out on the marketplace, square little box, like um, you kind of, or women really want to get inside a tighter fitting garment. So the zippers sometimes pop, it won't close over the chest area. So, you know, that's not every single Woman, And not every single woman wants to dress like that. And the way that I kind of like to say, I like to call, you know, my clients, my yummy mummies, (laughs) which are, you know, like women that are younger, that maybe, you know, had a kid or maybe need living in the city or kind of just bouncing around and need a coat that will work from day to night. And that won't be too flashy, but that will flatter their figure. So when you look at my parkas, let's just say, you know, and kind of comparing them out on the marketplace, every single seam literally is in the shape of a tulip. And then there's the signature crossover at the hood to mimic a fur collar because women don't like. Th- well, my experience of having three sisters, and mom and a grandma is they never wanted to mess up their hair. So <laughs> so the hoods actually go right under uh, their chin and then it covers the ears. And as we know, women are
0: flowers themselves. Yes, they are. So- It just makes perfect sense to me, Joseph. (laughs) In interviews, you've mentioned that you took a moment in your life to reflect on your entrepreneurial vision. Mm -hmm. The hardest part about following your dreams is sometimes just exactly that, following those dreams. It's usually right under our nose. uh, And yet we find every excuse in the book not to proceed. How did you finally end up focusing on what makes you happy? And how did that evolve
1: into your work? I think especially focusing on the happy part after working, you know, in this industry at every single job possible. Like I started from the bottom, literally up, making sure that I could speak the same language as everybody else that I work with for about 15 years now. And, you know, doing it and, and working in it, you kind of get into a zone and you get into a habit and then you start to lose that, you know, passion and that light Um, that drives you to continue and to grow because you can easily get lost in the industry you can get lost in the marketing side the sales side the production anything and then what had happened was you know after building helping build so many companies um, either back to their glory or reinventing them um, or starting them anew I i thought to myself i said okay in january i was like i can do this all over again for somebody else Um, And then see all the successes um, that I have done in the past for somebody else again. Or I can actually just take that leap. And I will suffer for the years to come. But at least it will be mine. And something that I'll be proud of. And that inspires the happiness to drive me forward and to build more. And that's really what I did. So right now what I'm really, really happy about is that I'm, I'm... I took the jump with great support of an incredible family and an incredible best friend who pushed me to really, really do it. And I did. And I, and, you know, I can't take the full credit for this. I mean, it's, it's an incredible team that's behind and without their help and their time and their energy, nothing would be where it is right now. And I mean, where it is right now, um, we're we able to lock all production within Canada All fabrics are Canadian. All the down I use, it's Hutterite white duck down. Literally everything is Canadian, except the zippers and the snaps. And it's sold across Canada and in the U.S. starting in September. And
0: congratulations.
1: Thank you. (laughs) Now, you talk about taking a leap. It seems
0: like you've been really working hard to know when the right time yes. to take that leap was yeah. you know what can you say to the times where you thought that you know maybe you're riding on the wrong coattails or maybe it's time or you're not ready or you're ready and it's not time you know how do you figure out these
1: trials and tribulations when i think in in my situation particularly i either had to make go left or go right like in it was either do this all over again for somebody else because you know we all have our bills we all have our rent. We all have that. And I mean, it's it really just came to that. At this point in my life, and after working in such great companies, um, you know, it's, where else are you going to go? We're, we're, we're in Canada. There are only so many options. And I mean, like I've been making and designing clothes since I've been about five. So I mean, it's nothing that I've even really been able to choose. It's always just been second nature. So what I did like about my experience in the industry was working in every single uh, field and then having the respect for people that you work with and understanding their time and their value. So when people are like, oh, it'll take no time, don't worry about it. Like right now, I am doing my own cutting. (laughs) And it's operating about a 50-foot machine. So it's quite intense. And in the past, you know, you always rely on somebody else. But what I love about this is... I will any of my future cutters deliver them the best like food basket or something at the end of the season. Because, you know, when you understand the time and energy that people put into things, you, I think you can really understand their value, especially when they deliver premium and, and superior product. And it's respecting and working with your team.
0: Well, let's talk more about that. You're, you're, you're physically cutting. So yeah.
1: what does that entail? So it, it essentially entails it's, it's about it could be a 50 foot machine. You may have a spreader at one end where essentially you load your rolls of fabric, it'll adjust it. You lay it out, you type into the machine essentially the length of your markers that you wish to cut. After you do cut, it then gets forwarded into the actual cutting machine. And then the cutting machine has like a suction effect, so it'll suck it, and then you have to upload your patterns. From there, a knife pops out, and then it cuts out your pattern pieces. But in my case specifically, which is the most fun right now, is when you're dealing with downproof fabric, wind can't get through so as it's trying to suck it um the top layers actually kind of get muddled in between so you have often jams in the machine and then you waste fabric you lose money and then you have to recut oh boy yeah so i mean there's there's all these little details i mean you know what i love is you know like sometimes you know people's like fashion's amazing it's parties it's all this Uh uh-uh like I'll never forget, like I was, I was saying to other people, my first, first job in the industry when I was 16 or 15, it was 16, 15, um, I started a company and then they said, I was so excited. I was like, you know, this is amazing. I'm going to start. And then they escorted me to a button room that was about the size of this room, all mixed buttons in different boxes. And they said, your job is to count the buttons and organize them all. So it lasted about two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> is it just a you kind of go crazy. Yeah. No, well, you do need it because at the end of the day, it's like sometimes like through the years as companies build and then you start keeping product in. I mean, you can get lost in your inventory. So there is somebody that does need to do it. And I was the person for about two weeks. And anybody else that I ever see organizing buttons, I mean, just, you know give him a hug oh totally
0: <laughs> and, and that's everywhere right we see that
1: in everyday life it's yeah. amazing
0: what it, 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 the team that it takes, you know, there isn't a star just cause your name is on it. it. It's, it takes the understanding and the team effort to say, no, it makes sense to put Joseph's name on yeah. it, but it is a team effort. So touch on We have a couple team members today <laughs> with us, but tell us about, you know, what does it really take choosing the right people, knowing that you're working with the same vision, cause ultimately it is one person's vision, but it's a team effort to make one person's vision.
1: I don't. I don't think you can really kind of select your team. I think your team finds you in this in this industry. Reputation is everything, and I've always been a man of my word in whatever it is that I do, and I'm very proud of that. And um, people respect you for that, and then they come to you, and it's just also with timing. It's it's weird. It's it's very very very. It's inspiring, and, it, and it's kind of like. It freaks me out a bit, but at the same time, it's everything seems to be happening at the right time, and the and the right people seem to appear. And when they're the wrong people, they then lead you to the right people. Because let's just say as an example, if you work with somebody and you're not happy with how that was executed, or how that was delivered, or or or, or, or let's just say the relationship in general, you're then forced to find somebody else. And then through that experience, you then find the better person. So I mean, it's it's about being on the same page. And I think those that the people that. Do find you as a team, we all speak the same language, we all want the end, like the same end goal. And everybody on my team, at least, we're very proud to be Canadian. And we're very proud to deliver Canadian made product. So you are a Canadian boy. Yes. Born and raised. Yes. Uh, it's funny. So your family moved from Montreal to Oakville. Yes. So it's that, an interesting transition. Yes. Well, my, um, my mother was, uh, at the time working in, uh, coin operating machines. So like pinballs, pool tables. So I had access to arcades growing up. Sounds life. like fun. Oh, it was fun. It was fun. I was the master of uh, a couple games and I also had. Which ones? Which ones? Well, uh, there was one, it was like a kind of a motorcycle racing game and then actually they had access to the pac-man and then there was a couple of pinballs that i wasn't bad at <laughs> um, so it was like you know what i mean it's like after school like what do you do like so you wait in your mom's office so um essentially that's why we moved here and my mother actually helped uh lead the sales uh for a company that was just recently bought up by cineplex um, so very proud of her and what she did. And she was actually, I think, I believe, and I, am pretty sure I'm a hundred percent right, but I could be wrong, but she was the first woman to bring in the Italian foosball tables out of Italy, Hey uh, to create the distribution within Canada.
0: They have a funny name for them. They don't call them. Biliardini. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. There you go. <laughs> you know, I knew you would know.
1: But, um, yeah, they're like, they, she, she developed some great, great relationships and, you know, just... I would kind of say I have to give an immense like an incredible amount of respect to her. She told me everything I know and she's you know she's what she what she did, you know, bringing us here. I actually kind of love it because she was able to expose us to different let's just say cultures, a, a huge and growing city. Not that Montreal isn't growing, Montreal is is growing as well. Um but I think just kind of being exposed to so many different cultures and you still seem close today like
0: yeah. it's like you're i mean you've always been close it yeah. seems and yeah. what does that mean to you as an independent designer who you know you say you the fruits of your mother's labor is yeah. what we see here today
1: does she ever say nudge you and be like joseph you know where you get this from Yeah, exactly of course she does but she always like you know she's <laughs> she she's always been kind of like any time i want to look for strength or look for inspiration i look to her i mean she was a single mom that had four kids by the time she was think 24. So I mean, you know, take having that, building, you know, a career, building a great life for all of us and allowing us the opportunity to pursue our dreams. Um, Yeah, she's very close. And pretty much the way that i kind of see it's like sometimes when people try and mess with you i'm like then you're messing with my mom right so, <laughs> <laughs> so and you don't, wanna, you don't want to. you don't, I, like, I, you, you don't I, want to you don't want i don't want to mess with her son let alone her mom i can see where the apple
0: falls from um <laughs> Clearly, your mom had an influence at a young age for you. So, mm-hmm. when does she start seeing that you have this sense for fashion or style? How does she, you know, who was she the one who put the
1: first pair of scissors in your hand? Mm-hmm. You know, where did you- she didn't want to give me the scissors? She was petrified. I was going to cut my fingers off. Uh, her and my grandmother, actually, I wanted access to sew. Like, it, it, basically, I could sew, I learned to sew before I could read so like on on my instagram there's actually a little photo of me when i'm about i think five or six and i already started making clothes for my three sisters so it's it's like essentially i've just always wanted to do it but my mother at a young age also made clothes but then she had to pretty much give everything up because she got married and then had a family uh, and kind of had to make a lot of sacrifices to ensure that we had the opportunities that we do have today But yeah, no, she has incredible taste. I mean, and it's just, it's funny. Sometimes, like, I'll put on, you know, a combination of, let's just say, cool prints or colors and... You know, recently she just kind of stares and she's like, really? I'm like, you know what? <laughs> so, uh, you know, like huge, huge style source, huge, huge uh, style inspiration. And uh, you know, she's that classic, she's that classic, classic woman. And kind of, I would say also the the woman that I also designed for. I mean, I don't think that anything should really be specific to age. I think things should be really specific to cut, fit, and quality of fabrics. You're very wise important. beyond your age, Joseph DeSoni. <laughs> well, I want longevity. I mean, how do you get that return customer? You, if you deliver that superior product that is high in quality, that you know is always going to fit you. And I also do menswear too. I just started doing menswear. Same thing. People will be your your best friends for life. They will always come back to you if they know that they can rely on you. And that if I'm going to spend that much money on one of your pieces, yes, I do get it because it is made in Canada and everything here is more expensive. There's no question about it. But that you do know that what you are getting is... Um, quality product. When I buy
0: something that is known for its quality, yeah. I do that kind of mental math. I go, yeah. okay, this product is $500. I want to rent this jacket for five <laughs> for $50 a year, yeah. basically. Like, how long do I want this to last? You know, I don't look at it as like a lump sum all the time. It's like, right. I want this jacket to be with me for four to five seasons. Exactly. You know, I I can justify a price when I break it down by year yeah. as like a, an increment. Yeah. Um, so, it's, it's nice to know that, that you have this kind of longevity in mind because you're right. I mean, we will buy the same underwear if it's, yeah. the, if it's the right fit and we can't yeah. find anything good. What, what How is that any different than anything else you're going to buy, especially when it comes to price and quality? I mean, I specifically am, am learning more as an adult. You yeah. know, what I buy mm-hmm. will be in my cupboard for longer than I realize. Okay. How is this going to extend my style? Am I going to be able to use this kind of print with other prints? Am I going right. to use this bottom with another top? Like, yeah. I, I think about these things and I and I think that's comes with getting older, yeah. more mature and, and knowing where your money is going. Exactly. Because you do have bills and fashion and and, and comfort go hand in hand. Yeah. They have to. Absolutely. So they I as a man who's sometimes like, oh, I don't know, you know, give me a jeans and a t-shirt and I'm happy. Yeah. Well, there's clearly so much more opportunity. That's the like
1: classic James Dean look. You can't go wrong well, with you that. you can't. <laughs> if, if you can pull it off. If you can pull it off.
0: So when in your life, you're you know, you have three sisters. Yes. And, and you're, you're talking about designing for women is yeah. kind of your, it was kind of given to you, it was provided to you. Yeah. You're, you literally have, you know, fashion models to grow up with in yeah. a sense. And even as we were talking before the interview, you've designed your sister's wedding gown. And we're still friends. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that whole full circle-ness is beautiful. Like, that's so awesome to hear yeah. that your sisters are probably your biggest fans, biggest supporters, and and they were your models, all, yeah. and, and they still are. Mm-hmm. What's that like growing up with so much family support, being the only boy in the family to a single mother? Right. You know, where, where does your, your kind of discovery for fashion and, and their influence come together?
1: I think one of their biggest influences was hearing all of their problems with fit their entire life they have a slight curve to all of their bodies and nothing ever fit or when they would spend money on things it would break so i mean hearing that and seeing that year after year after year you kind of just like you know what and it's the same with me you know what i mean it's like when when you look at garments and when you look at when you buy pieces and as you're growing you know it's like it's like damn i just spent a couple hundred bucks on this and it didn't last for one they, like, pretty much are one wear. So, I mean, in terms of their influence on me, apart from, you know, it, it, them as, as, as people and as great personalities and incredible energies, um, they really taught me the understanding of fit. And really, really ensuring that whatever it is that I do, that all those areas, you know, sometimes women are, you know, could be slightly fuller in their chest, the center, the side, they could be more petite, you could be taller, you could have shorter arms. I mean, it's kind of incorporating all these elements in a way that if you do purchase the garment, it's not... Like I, I don't want to create a garment that's like a Swiss Army knife. You know, it's like, oh, it does this and then it does that and then boom. It's it's more about the subtlety in the design and how it accomplishes and creates solutions to all of those issues. Is there a perfect garment for everybody? Can mm, and, no. It, no, 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 I wouldn't say that. I would kind of say you can try, you can try and aim for perfection, but there's always room for improvement. Um, and whenever you do think that you found, you know, something and, and it is great and, and, you know, hold on to it. <laughs> and that's what it comes down to like purchasing it from the same people,
0: from the same yeah. brand. That, yeah. That's part of that, of right? Course. You find what's the closest to your version of that kind yeah. of perfection. And then exactly. you try to emulate it. And, As a may, designer, nothing's
1: ever perfect. Well, that's though, like, just I it. Think, I was yeah. just going
0: to say, like how many times you put out so many different products, you're, you're basically putting out, you know, you have one vision for a line of work, but that line has so many different products. in oh, it, yeah. it's not, And it's meant for so many different people. It's hard to believe that you have a one simple vision that is because it's so complex between person to person. How do you how do you organize your designs? How do you organize your thoughts?
1: Stay, I would say, on track with your philosophy of your brand. Um, And basically, if you stay to that philosophy, like my philosophy is all about fit and being Canadian made. But each season to season, like I'll take inspiration. Let's just say like when I launched and debuted my collection at Toronto Women's Fashion Week, my entire theme was nobility, essentially like mythical nobility of the northern realms of Canada. So how do you interpret that? How do you see that? What could that be without it being kitschy? You know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to send like a person down with a moose head on their head. You know, it's like, it, 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 how do you take those ideas and then translate them across different bodies, across men's wear, across women's wear? And I think that's just being, you know, it's always weird when I, when you call yourself an, an artist or something like that. But when you're trying to create something and you're trying to create a vision, it's always applying it to that philosophy. So it's like, okay you hope that what you deliver people will like. But it's incredibly personal at the same time, because you know if the public doesn't like it, it's almost like, well, what did I do wrong? But if you are delivering that incredibly uh, beautifully constructed piece, at least you can have your confidence that you've stuck to your philosophy and you stayed on that path.
0: Has there ever been a piece that you've learned a lesson from, maybe wasn't as received as well as you would liked? Definitely, yes.
1: <laughs> um, and then this, it was funny because I was just discussing this before. Some of the pieces that you put the most time and most energy and most thought into, and it takes so much time to do, it gets like an okay review. It's like, yeah. The pieces that you whip together within an hour or two hours, most popular. The, mo- <laughs> the most popular. And you're like, how long did that take you? And you're like, oh...
0: <laughs> Does that mean there's an effort to try to emulate the simple stuff the best? Is there a reason we try to put too much into one thing and then realize it's not as, it's not worth it half
1: the time? I, I think, I think it's just, you know, it's, it's, every public is different. And I think it's, it's also people kind of look at, they can respect pieces that, you know, could be more detailed or more intricate. But I think it's just more on a personal level if you feel any kind of like disappointment that way. You know, it's, um, Yeah, you just spend a lot more kind of time at a piece and you're like, I spent hours and hours and where did it go and it's... (laughs) In your opinion, where has fashion made the most impact
0: on our lives? Uh, I'm getting a little deeper. Okay, okay. (laughs) The most impact on our lives some say denim right Je- yeah. jeans have changed our lives of forever oh,
1: sorry of course i mean like you know denim started you know in the original factory denim in 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 france and then levi's and then it was you know the, of course that's an incredible story but i would kind of say it would just i think fashion right now really has to uh translate and adapt to how we work and what our needs are. So, you know, technology is huge in terms of the way that it's dictating fashion and how it's going. You know, there's a lot of things going on with wearable technology and blah, blah. You know, there's there's a lot going on there, but you know, there's a new technology every other minute. So, I mean, how do you keep fashion up at the same pace as you do with technology? Is it worth even trying? Well, you know, if you have the funds and accessibility to, why not? do you know what i mean we should grow in in fashion but I would kind of say in terms of the way that fashion dictates classics are always there women will always go to that classic little black dress i i love the canadian tuxedo i will always hey, wear me den- too yeah. Yeah. i will always wear that denim shirt with denim pants you know what i mean for sure you know those those are my go-tos and you know being canadian you got to have a little plaid like you know totally. and, and, and whatever it is that you do so i mean i think it's for me and the way that I kind of see it, classic silhouettes, classic lines, classic everything will always be present. But I mean, in terms of, you know, you know, if we talk specifically about denim or we talk about, you know, uh, silks or anything like that, you know, I think it really our habits and our lifestyle is dictating fashion and fashion's trying to adapt to it. But the timeless classics that have been set in the past um, come in and they come out. But I mean, you always have that classic silhouette that's always there.
0: Are you looking to, you know, styles and trends of the 50s and the 60s ever? Or you're like, I need to know what's happening now, who I'm working with now. I love film,
1: I love film. So a lot of my inspiration comes from uh, old movies and I love international films. And even, even, you know, that cheesy kind of American blockbuster, right? Which films, which films are we um, talking about? One of my favorites, it's La Dolce Vita by Federico Fellini. And then another great film, Sabrina, with Audrey Hepburn. Um, another one, Mildred Pierce. Like, there's some great old films with great fashions. And I also like the subjects. I like things that are a little bit more racy, like Sunset Boulevard. You know, it's you, you can have these great twisted plots that were kind of racy back then. And then these dramatic lights, these dramatic silhouettes, and these these illusions that often are just recycled in today so whatever's going on now whatever's happening now you can't keep up with it because H&M already did it somebody else already did it and it's gone you know so it's I think it's about creating that voice and that identity and giving credit to kind of where you got that inspiration from but you know giving it your own twist so you're not just recreating something that already did exist like paint to a painter what does fabric mean To a fashion designer. Heaven. (laughs) But the worst, the worst is when like, you know, fabric is all about hand, right? It's not, not about color because you can always switch up that fabric into a different color if you want to. It's when you touch it. And it's that feeling, it's that connection. It's almost like this, especially when you connect with one, it's almost like an electric shock. You're like, oh yes, yes. And then the fabric will dictate what it is that you're creating because every single fabric will drape differently all fabrics have different structures different weaves so if you want to create something and you're looking for something let's just say that has more structure in it menswear as an example but you want flexibility, try and find fabrics that kind of meet both worlds. So and when you do find the right one, it's like you touch it with your hand, it's soft. It's, oh, it's amazing. Everybody wants soft, I think. Everybody does.
0: Well, you're known to use cashmere. Yes. And wool cashmere. You've won awards for your design uh, for this winter kind of gown, I could call it, winter wear. Can you talk more about that piece with the, the individually
1: with, circular? Yes, with uh, cashmere bathroom tissue. Yeah. So uh, essentially... What I loved about this um, project was that they essentially are trying to raise awareness and also funds for breast cancer across Canada. So um, in my past, you know, I worked within uh, a company where I travel essentially six months out every single year for four years, and I would meet constantly because this company was heavily affiliated with breast cancer awareness, um, women either going through chemo, had gone through chemo, um, didn't make it the year after, or, you know, it's quite touching and, and and it becomes quite personal when you see these ladies. And they're very inspiring because they're always quite peppy every single, time, <laughs> every single time that you meet them. So when this project came about um, and they had approached uh, Will Poho, who was the co-founder with me within the SWAM label, we said absolutely, and we were able to create this dress that was kind of a winter wonderland theme, and then the idea was to give an illusion of a wearable snowfall. So there was about three thousand individually cut circles out of bathroom tissue. Wow! That yeah, it was. Uh, I, I I I actually don't know how many hours. But I do remember afterwards, I was dreaming about circles, dreaming about bathroom tissue. um, And then after that, I never wanted to see bathroom tissue ever again, unless I had to go, anyways. So, (laughs) but um, it, 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 but the end result, you know, it's like, well, the way that I kind of see it is when you're trying to create a gown um, and you're trying to raise awareness, you want to create something that's unique and that's Canadian. So it was like, okay, what is Canada? Canada we have a lot of snow here so, and we all like to wear hoods and everything I do I was trying to incorporate that hood in some way or another so kind of you know um, creating this piece and putting it together I think a lot of people just took a moment because it wasn't your typical dress that you saw It didn't kind of, you know, it's like, oh, there's a hood. It's open in the back, huge slit in the front. And then wait a second, every single circle is flying up and down. So literally the dress moved and it had an airiness to it. And I think that's kind of us in Canada, you know, it's like, especially in the wintertime, it's, it never, I I never find that it feels too heavy. Like, I mean, with the snow and everything in the wind, like there's always movement. There's always kind of something, but it's consistent. And uh, I think, yeah, the dress, the dress really I think inspired a lot of people and then um, this year I went to they asked me to be a mentor over at George Brown for the student competition which they opened up for the first time uh, in over 10 years I believe and uh, I was able to talk to students and just kind of seeing their reaction to the dress and kind of getting a little sneak peek as to what they have created is incredible.
0: And it's great to get some insight on your process Mm -hmm. because it's so hard to believe that you have a simple vision of this beautiful gown. And then when you see it, on the walkway on the runway you're just like how does this come from someone's brain onto this production Mm -hmm. it seems quite extensive so thank you for that little bit of taste i want to elaborate on that because i want to know more about some of your favorite creations or combinations that may have never been combined before for example your laparka winterwear uses your very own invention a zipper technology using elastic neoprene and swam uses a scuba fabric liner perfect for Canadian cold
1: swimmers in the case of the zipper was that just trial and error to no. find the right materials no essentially that was I completely have my sisters and my mother to thank for that okay they're they they do not like when I say this so I'm still gonna say it so don't get upset <laughs> but they're fuller in their chest and they never could get zippers to fit over ever and they're petite everywhere else so and then women you know you can either be in your chest it can be in the center it can be the side so when i was looking at the coat and and how to kind of reinvent and bring the la label back to life because it is a heritage company that has existed for 30 years essentially what i did was i said okay what's What's going to be my talking point? And my talking point had to be something that women could, if you're in between a size or, or, you know, you're not sure about a size, you need the zipper to be able to stretch. So what I did was I inserted half an inch of neoprene on either side of the zipper tape. So essentially the coat would ease half inch on one side, half inch on the other. So a total of one inch of ease around the body. So no matter where your zone area was, whether it was the chest, the center, or the side, the coat would work with your body, but it was hidden. So there was a piece of fabric that went over so nobody knew it was there. So I actually got the, we filed the patent and then we got it for uh, Canada and the US. So it was kind of cool to invent something in fashion because there really is, it's it's everything has almost been done but yeah and then you know it was it was wonderful creating that and you know we parted ways in uh january of this year uh so wish them all the best. <laughs> when you hear someone
0: like Jeff Rustia, yes. the executive director and founder of Toronto's Men's and Women's Fashion Week, announce to his audience that you're the one to watch
1: out for. How does that kind of feedback resonate with you? I freaked out. <laughs> I was backstage and I had no idea. I had no idea that I would get such an incredible introduction. And I mean, you're humbled. Like, you, you, you don't know what to say. And and there's, you think that, you know, even just saying thank you is not enough. Um, but when people kind of look at your work and they look at you, and if they're saying that, is because they do believe in you and they do believe in what you're doing. You know, how, even having worked in the industry for, for a couple of years, when you finally take that risk and that jump and then people recognize it and they, and they give you such an amazing, amazing uh, compliments just in general, um, you're blown away. Like I, I remember at the, at the show when I showed it and just everybody, I, there was three women that came up to me that were in tears. over. The, I've never seen anybody cry over a collection. So I mean, it's, it's, it's touching. And when you're able to create pieces and touch people in that way and make them follow your story and your path, um kind of cool.
0: cool i was gonna ask you know you, you kind of answered my question but you know are there some additional moments of praise like these women coming up to you in tears when you realize you're you're on the right path yeah
1: you you do feel it you know in everything that i do i always try and give 150 percent. and i believe that when you do give your all people who who people people see that and people respect that and i think they the especially people also kind of in the industry to understand how much time goes into things and understand is not just like like you know whipping putting together a collection in three and a half weeks finding a manufacturer getting fabrics coming up with unique silhouettes literally it was working night and day um, with an incredible again team but you know it's almost impossible (laughs) you
0: almost have to be predicting yeah. You know, trends. Yes. Oh, mom's here. We got mom here. Hi, mom. Hi. This is just a testament to uh, Joseph's team. We're, we're with Brenda and mom. <laughs> I, I don't know mom's name. I'm Alex. Hey, I'm Gilen. Gilen, nice to meet you. Likewise, Alex. Uh, we're just talking to your son about being a young visionary. Uh, we're basically talking about the, the moments where he realized he was on the right path. You know, you're a young man. We're about the same age. So I would like to think I'm young too. You know, <laughs> You young, yes. we have so much ahead of ourselves yeah. to be where we are is everything to us in the sense that we could be working for another company. We could be sitting at a desk. We could be working with our friends, our family, you know, there's so many choices we're able to make, but it's the support that really allows for that yeah. to happen. And, and it's nice to know that your mom and your sisters and your friends are, are <laughs> yeah. literally here. Like, yeah. we're, 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 yeah. I'm, I'm in a room, f- a mini posse. <laughs> it's a posse nonetheless. <laughs> but, um, you know, what, what was the nicest thing your mom ever told you when you said, mom, I need to be a fashion designer. This is the success that I need to approach. Like, how, how do I get there? What do you need? What do you need? Isn't that the best kind of mom? And that's just it. It's it's the understanding uh, uh, of a mom. Uh, We're just talking about fashion shows. Uh, You recently were featured at uh, Toronto Men's and Women's Fashion Weeks. Fashion shows are just that. Mm-hmm. a show yes they are uh, elaborate staging settings music and of course costumes uh-huh. in a sense uh, do you have a vision for your shows once you're ready to present your lines you're talking about how things you know take three to four weeks yeah. alone and then on top of the designing of your fashion you have to design a show around
1: that okay after designing the collection the collection really does dictate your stage and how you're going to present it but a lot of, you know, and and I think I'm just a huge fan of his. Um, is a man named Hans Kochling. Um, I'm sorry if I said that wrong. he He really is the driving force behind the designers to push you to reach those levels he'll give you the tools in terms of your production and how you can present yourself and it's up to you to kind of take them and i learned something very wise from him you're only as good as your last show okay Mm -hmm. and you know speaking of your last show what was the feeling the feeling, I think, was just kind of pure happiness. when I, After presenting it, you know, whether the audience's reaction would have loved it or, or disliked it, I was just happy that I took that jump and that risk to do it. Um, I have done many shows before in the past. Um, and again, you know, even when I was 16, my last year of high school, there was a, a girl in my high school that actually suffered from osteogenesis imperfecta, which was a brittleness of the bone. And a lot of doctors within Canada didn't have... I think, proper product knowledge uh, in terms of how to treat people who had that, uh, especially within the smaller hospitals. So uh, the girl and her mother were trying to raise funds to create videos, training videos. So then, and this is, again, when I wanted to do my first show, my mother said, well, what do you need? And I said, I need help. (laughs) But we created, I think it was like, I think the collection was about 55 pieces and really it was kind of my first entrance into doing fashion shows. But the wonderful thing was that Jeannie Becker came and then opened the show. I even know who that is. Yeah. So, so Jeannie, so it's funny. It's funny because, you know, she's an incredible uh, icon in terms of the industry. And I think she really helped put Canada uh, on a platform and, you know, raising awareness of our designers and getting out. there and getting those interviews and I mean she's worked her butt off um, and to have such an incredible person uh, open your show it's and what's funny is when you when you see them throughout the years and it's like hey you remember me
0: (laughs) I'm sure (laughs) they do
1: yeah you know and and I think I think it it brings a smile to them too because it's like you know when you are so young and you're you you just turned 16 and you put on a show and again you know trying to always tie on to a good cause like that's everything everything I've always done you know I always try and give back in some way or another whatever it is Um, whether it's you know donating this or giving a piece here or creating a piece for something to raise awareness Um, it's always been it's it's kind of always been there Um, so I'm kind of excited to see what can you know we can do in the future well
0: speaking of the future now you're getting ready to launch your own original brand yes under your own name yes what are you getting ready to produce and promote under Joseph Tassoni which season and shows
1: are you focusing on so uh, after showing in March uh, because every single show you show a year ahead uh, we showed the 2017 collection for fall and sorry 2018 my apologies no, 17. <laughs> Anyways, it gets confusing. Yeah, it, yeah, it gets 17 slash 18. gets slightly really confusing. Um, and I created the, I set the tone in the philosophy of my brand. So uh, going from woolen and cashmere to novelty, you know, plaids to furs to faux furs, um, because there are two audiences. So it's very important incorporating both. Men's wear, women's wear, everything. Really went to market with my core collection, uh, which are my standard parkas, um, which are the pieces that will literally take you from day to night. So went to market very, very late in the season, because typically you start selling about, I would say, September of the year before. So like you're already selling months ahead. We're going to the market late and and kind of seeing the reaction from the retailers and people picking it up. So right now we are uh, preparing, we're working on production, starting delivery August 30 through to September thirty. Uh, delivering across Canada and in the U.S. Wow. Yeah. Where did these visions
0: come from? You know, leaving companies and taking these leaps, you know, is that add to your vision? Are you using what you've learned and not necessarily making it better, but how are you adjusting now that it's your own brand?
1: I think treating people with the respect that I would like to be treated with is very important. And that's the biggest thing. That I learned from every single industry. And of course, you know, one of my biggest inspirations was when I first started in the industry, um, working with Joe Mimran. I mean, he I started working with him when I was 18. I worked under him for four years. He moved me from company to company. And I'll never forget, before I started being the junior manager designer, Joe Fresh, him and I having a little meeting. And he's like, I'm not sure what I want to do with you, but... I know there's something there, so <laughs> so I mean, hearing that and then seeing his taste level, I mean, like it was it was inspiring. Everything was so fresh, it was so clean, um, subtlety in terms of the details, exposure to art, incorporating art within designs. Um, yeah, it was quite quite. So I mean, I would kind of say whenever I refer to kind of like past work experiences i think you know treating people of course with the same respect that you would like to be treated with but also kind of looking back at those early early days and then just being surrounded because i remember at that time joe i think was a very is a very big supporter of artists uh, and hard workers so i was exposed to some of the most incredible professionals either from styling to furniture designing to just people that just thought out of the box and i mean we're still all in connection today so i mean it's like sometimes you you create a piece and you're like oh would that person approve do you know what I mean? so i mean it's, it's paying attention to those details you know god is in the details
0: your hard work is clearly apparent you're on my show. Thank you so much. My first fashion designer. My show is called Ross Never Sleeps. We're yeah. on Never Sleeps Network. What's your
1: relationship with sleep? Oh, okay. Well, we we have sometimes a great relationship and sometimes <laughs> we don't have a relationship at all. Um, <laughs> I think... I think now you know it doesn't it doesn't bug me as much that i'm like oh i'm like i have to stay up late and do that because what i'm doing is making me so happy um in the past to be like oh my god i have to stay up until one or two in the morning you know what i mean and you don't get paid extra but you you do you do put that time and effort because it's your name and because the work needs to get done and you know as some people uh that I, that i know you know you almost become like the you know uh, kind of like that glorified person let's just say in terms of you know you do one thing and then you have to do something else and you have to execute and you have to do literally almost everything um, so I mean it's it's interesting. <laughs> and where can we see your future lines? Where
0: what websites are you plugging? Your socials?
1: Yes. So uh my website will be launching uh first week of September when the product drops. Uh but here in downtown Toronto, uh Lawrence Coates will be carrying the line. Um I would kind of say he's that signature spot. He's been there since, you know, 76 off of King and Spadina. Also one of my biggest supporters. But in terms of anywhere else, we are located in, you know, kind of smaller towns in in higher end, or let's just say kind of better boutiques, um, menswear and ladies. But if you do go to the website, it'll list everything. And if you're in the States as well. And upcoming shows? Upcoming shows. So something quite exciting is happening. So... Uh, There is a Canada 150 show that is being done at Toronto Women's Fashion Week, which is part of Canada Fashion Group and also Tom. They actually secured this incredible building. So the old, I think it's the Toronto Star Print Factory at One Young Street, um, where it's going to be held this season. And essentially what they've done is they've reached out specifically to designers that um, They wanted to either incorporate their pieces or create kind of a mini new collection, which is me. (laughs) Because, you know, you want to do something fresh, you want to do something new sometimes, but what Canada means to them. So coming the first week of October, uh, I'll be showing a collection of about eight pieces that I definitely am trying to ensure will get people to stop um, without it being kitschy, you know, really represent what Canada is about, kind of. Continuing the story from my last show, but kind of just showing another element of, I would kind of say, you know, the woman and and the man that I designed for.
0: Well, I want to thank you, Joseph, your mom, your best friend, everybody for coming in today to the studio. (laughs) All the best to you. I mean, it's so nice to see young people pursuing their dreams in in what sometimes can be a tough market. I can only imagine the fashion world is probably one of the hardest ones to break out into and to stay consistent. And, you know, I I don't know you that well personally, but hearing your story and and doing my research, I'm proud of you. So thank you you so much for coming on today. Uh, Never sleepers.